Inside the Adventure, episode number 46, with J.J. Yosh. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're going to hear the story of J.J. Yosh, a TV host, adventure filmmaker, outdoor enthusiast, and incredible social media influencer on a mission to change the world through media. Back in college, J.J. discovered his love for nature on his first backpacking trip and quickly saw that exploring our Earth was his key to helping the world. Since that time, J.J. has led countless groups of people all over the world to explore some of the most beautiful places on Earth, now producing engaging media to inspire people to get outside and explore their backyards. J.J. has appeared in national commercials for AT&T, DirecTV, Coors, Intel, Chipotle Grill, and has even hosted television shows for Discovery, TLC, and Tastemade Networks. He even recently produced and starred in a full feature-length documentary, Ancient Tomorrow. It's really no question JJ has built an incredible career for himself, a life that looks very different from the one he may have had. I would say life as a child was pretty difficult because I, I felt like I was trapped, but I didn't even know I was trapped. I was living in a family that was, you know, you're all, all American typical family and the, where, where the sports that you would play would be baseball and football. And I don't know, you know, having that sort of lifestyle just never really felt it just never really felt right. So I always felt like I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Uh, and I was trying to, to, to love all of these out, these sports, which weren't in the outdoors. Did you have any brothers or sisters that were playing sports? Yeah. I had, I had, I had two brothers. I've not, not had, I do have still today. They are still alive. I have two brothers and a sister. They're all younger than me. Um, but my brother, one of my brothers was really good at baseball and, so that was difficult because my dad is huge into baseball and he kind of wanted his sons to follow in his footsteps, you know, as every father and son relationship seems to be like that. And I, I didn't really like baseball to the, to the point um, that my other brother did. So I was kind of living in my little brother's shadow, which is, something you never want to do. It's supposed to be like the other way around, right? The little brother's looking up to the big brother. Uh, so that that was kind of a challenge growing up because I felt like I had to to like baseball to, you know, be closer to my dad. And that that kind of, that created a lot of challenges growing up. And it wasn't really until college where I was able to really see what my true passions were because I just didn't have those outlets. So for the most part, my childhood was just kind of being what my parents and what my community wanted me to be, because that was all I knew. I didn't have any other outlets. And, you know, so I think looking back, I wish I did have other opportunities to maybe explore the outdoors than I did because I just didn't know that was my calling then. You know, if, if you never have that chance to to get outside and and see what else is out there in the world, then you you just never know. And I think that's uh, one thing that, uh, you know, if I could go back and make that happen, I would. Did you, um, uh, with your family being very athletic and playing a lot of sports, did you also try baseball as well, but just didn't connect with it, didn't really click? I I tried baseball when I was five. I you know I did um, t ball and I even and but I I don't know it just it didn't stick with me and I, I ended up quitting it and then I got back into it uh, a couple years later and 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 did it for another couple years 
but I was never able to get really good at baseball. And I, and it was hard cause I was like putting myself down a lot for not being good at baseball, but it was because I didn't love it. And it came so natural to my younger brother because he loved it. So it wasn't really out of his way to practice more for it. So it's one thing to love something and, and be able to, to practice and get better at it. It's another thing to pretend to like something and, and try really hard to get, to be good at it. You're always going to be trying to push a ball uphill if you're doing that. And that's something even today I still struggle with, which is trying to really understand what it is that I truly love and, and be able to be true about that to myself. Um, I think that's what, you know, life is a process of really discovering who you are and what it is that you really love. And a lot of times the things that you think you love, when you get down to it, you might not really love it. And it's not until you do it though. And you start stripping away those layers that you actually start to see what it is that you love. So it sounds like college was a really impactful time for you when it was really the first um, intro experience you had to the outdoors, especially with starting the outdoors club um, at your school. Tell us a little bit about how you made that transition, how you finally found your passion for the outdoors and what that felt like. When I first went to UC Santa Barbara, that's really where my calling started to emerge and the great thing about Santa Barbara is that it's in a beautiful location. You have the ocean on one side, you have these mountains on the other side. It's a playground with so many outdoor activities. And as soon as I got there, it was pretty clear that um, all the, it was pretty clear that when I got there, there was, there was a lot of things for me to do. And, and I started to go on hikes and that was really important for me. Uh, I, I was able to just kind of, I think being in an environment where I didn't have my parents around anymore really allowed me to just kind of get away from what they want of me and be able to just kind of do what I wanted to do for myself. And that sort of freedom really allowed me to just open myself up to more possibilities. And when I started to open myself up to more possibilities, I was able to start experimenting with other activities that I don't get to normally do. And I had kind of, um, it was, I kind of had a tendency to, to want to do more hiking and, and go in and go in the outdoors. So I started to pursue that. I started going on hikes and, and how did you get connected with that? Was it friends at college that said, uh, you know, hey, JJ, we're going on a hike today. You should you should come join. What was the the first entry experience for you? At the dorm I was living in, they had these outdoor outings that uh, where they would take, you know, the incoming freshman students on hikes. And so I started signing up for those. And I think that's really important to have outdoor activities for beginners because um, it, sometimes the outdoors can seem pretty daunting to people that don't get out there all the time. The entry level to a lot of outdoor activities is pretty steep and expensive. <laughs> so it's um, really good when schools do have a lot of opportunities to, to get out there. And and my school did have opportunities to, to start exploring my backyard and, and I just, I took them and, and I was pretty impressed. <laughs> um, yeah. What did it feel like to, uh, to kind of finally find this thing that you were really interested in, you're really passionate about some, uh, you know, an athletic outlet to, um, to express all that energy and creativity that you maybe didn't find in baseball. When you first, see the light, if you will, <laughs> it feels, feels amazing. It, it, it just feels right. And that's kind of the feeling that I've started to first discover in myself when I got into the outdoors and I started hiking was that that feeling of, of alignment where baseball, I felt like I was 
forcing it to be. You never want to force anything in life. And that's something that is, it's so easy to say that. And even today I still force, there are certain things that I still force and I'm like, I have to stop myself because I have to stop myself and re-remember that life needs to flow naturally. And if it doesn't flow naturally, then you need to realign yourself. And so for the, for me, the outdoors just flows. And I, I think it, I think it should flow for everybody because it's part of who we are. We are all part of the earth. Now the level of degree of how people want to engage in the outdoors that can definitely differ, <laughs> but I think we all have a connection to the outdoors. So I think it's, it's easy to say that it, it flows. So when you first uh, kind of experienced this flow for the first time, uh, what impact did that have on you? And how did that lead to you uh, taking it so far as to start the outdoors club um, in school? When I first started going into the outdoors, I really loved being out there to experience just the beauty of earth. But another big part of the outdoors that I really love is being able to share that with friends you can go to a beautiful location, see a beautiful vista, but it's not as good as you want to share it with people. You, Whenever you see something really, really beautiful, you're like, oh my God, I would love it for my friends to understand how amazing this is. You want other people to experience the amazingness that you're feeling. You want to share the, with the wealth. So I think that sort of that sort of feeling or motivation was kind of the catalyst to bring about this outdoors club that I was going to create soon. Also, you know, going back into my childhood and and growing up, I always wanted to have kind of a sense of belonging and I didn't I, I never I've always been kind of the outcast. And even with my family and, and growing up. So the one thing I've always been searching for is being able to belong to something. And I think that's something that, you know, inherently all humans, we are social creatures. So we all kind of want to have that sense of acceptance and belonging. And so I was really yearning for a community and culture that was going to have that sort of bonding and and sense of belonging. And that was a huge reason for starting the outdoors club more than anything was, was bringing people together because ever since I've known of myself, one of my big skills and, and qualities is bringing people together. I love recruiting and, and, and joining people together, <laughs> you know, so that was a huge part of why this outdoors club came about. What did it feel like when you finally got that sense of belonging through uh, your experiences with the outdoors? When I finally started the outdoors club in 2003, the club's called the excursion club. It, it was a, it was a game changer, life changer. It, it, um, for the first time kind of opened me up to, to what really flowing was like and, and really belonging was like, um, I, I just felt like all of a sudden, all of the, all of the wheels were turning in the right direction. And I was no longer pushing a ball uphill. And instead it was now, (laughs) I guess going downhill in my favor, the wind was, was pushing in the, in the right direction it was an incredible feeling. And then, and the club allowed me to take people into the outdoors and be able to go on hikes together. And we're talking about people that, uh, kids, students that maybe have never gone on hikes before. And now they're experiencing this for the first time. And now I'm seeing these individuals go through a similar experience that I went through because the outdoors changes you. It is definitely it's a trans transformative experience and so seeing not only them experience that was a whole nother experience for me because 
I was now experiencing this grand, beautiful mountain vista. Then I'm watching them experience that same sort of thing. And so at that point, it really locked in that this was my calling. So you've had this incredible kind of revelation experience in college through through these experiences. And at the same time, um, you're studying chemical engineering, right? But those classes probably didn't seem as exciting or as um, fulfilling as what you were doing through the outdoors. Um, how did your experience with discovering some of these um, kind of revelations in the outdoors uh, kind of direct what you decided you wanted to do after college and what you were thinking about with uh, your graduation plan? When I went to Santa Barbara, UCSB for the first time, I, I, was studying chemical engineering and that was where I got my degree in. And when the excursion club came about, I kind of thought, well, maybe now my career is going to change a little bit because I originally did chemical engineering so that I could help the environment through environmental consulting firms. And then I realized that through the outdoors club, there was another way that I could help the earth. There are many ways that you can, there's many ways that you can help the earth. And I realized that more of my calling was to bring people into the outdoors. And I didn't need to do chemical engineering to be able to do that. So it wasn't, your why never changed. It was just the how and the what of doing the thing that's going to cause that outcome. My why has been the same since forever. And I think everybody's why is the same the only reason it might seem different throughout your life is because as you are understanding yourself and as you are stripping away the layers of your facade, you it seems like you're changing because you're stripping away those layers, but in reality you're actually you're revealing who you are more so. And when you get down to the core of who you are, that why has always been the same ever since your, the day of your conception. So my why has always been the same. The way that I've been going about it has been changing because I wasn't being 100% true to myself. And as I become more confident and comfortable with who I am, I am becoming more successful at being able to fully embody my calling. So with the what and the how of going about accomplishing your why, uh, with the way you're doing that finally changing, what did that feel like after graduation? And and what did you start doing to pursue that mission? So after I graduated, I, I didn't want to let go of the outdoors club. It was such a huge part of my life at that time. And it was, and I had when you finally experience your calling, you don't want to, you don't want to leave it. It's it's like seeing the light. And why would you want to, why would you want to leave the light? You know, that's such a warm and fuzzy feeling. So you, do you want to just keep going for it? And, and so after I graduated, I was like, well, how do I continue this outdoors club? And that was, that was the question that was in my mind. And how do I do that on a larger scale? always thinking bigger, bigger, bigger because of my, probably my ego and ambition, um, you know, just wanting to put it out there even more so. And, and so the idea came about, well, what about utilizing media to be able to put it on a bigger scale? I've always had a passion for film and TV and shooting. Even when I was in college, I was taking, uh, videos of all of the activities that were going on and I was editing them together to promote the club. That's how I was able to build the club so big because of the videos that I would make and, and, and then afterwards distribute. So that it just kind of, that became kind of the idea was, okay, we'll now film these, our expeditions and, and then be able to share them to the world. 
So when you're first getting started in trying to have this outreach, you have to partner with some brands that already have a following. Uh, back when you were starting this in 2005, 2006, uh, you said you're attending the first outdoor retailer uh, and talking to a lot of these brands to um, to be able to create that partnership. What was that process like uh, in jumping out and doing something that you had no experience doing for the first time? I think when you're going for something that you have no idea about, let's say you see a mountain like Mount Everest and looks so beautiful from, from the bottom and you start to climb it and you don't have any of the gear. You have, you don't know what you're climbing. You just know that this is a beautiful, majestic mountain and you just want to keep climbing it. There's some beauty in that innocence and ignorance because you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. So in a way you feel invincible and you feel like you're already at the top of your top of your game. And that's that newfound energy can sometimes work in your favor. And a lot of times it does work in people's favor. That's where, where you see kind of those younger kids all of a sudden scoring really cool deals in, in the beginning because they have so much of that excitement and they don't know what they're, they're getting themselves into, but they have, but it's passion and that's fueling them. Passion can be blinding a lot of times. And for me, for me in a little ways it was, I went for it, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And, but even still it worked out for me in the beginning. Was it a bit scary to take that jump into something that you uh, didn't know what the outcome would really be? It was not scary in any way because I was blinded by passion. That's why a lot of good climbers are younger. You know, they don't have that you just sense don't of fear. know what failing is like because they you don't, don't know. know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, it, they don't know what they're getting themselves into, and that makes them a little bit invincible in a way. So how did it work out for you that first time when you uh, went out and and um, and did it for the very first time? Well, I should rephrase that it kind of worked out. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of lessons and hardships that I, ha- I had to learn and I still have to learn before it's going to totally work out for me. But um, how it kind of worked out was I... I uh, I wanted to do this trip to Alaska and I was really passionate about some of these locations that I wanted to go to. My main thing was like, Oh, I want to climb, you know, Denali. I want to, I want to visit British Columbia. I want to go to Banff. I had all of these different places that I wanted to go to and I wanted to do this incredible two month trip. And then I came up with a story idea and put it together in a proposal at that time, it was crazy. I think my proposal was like 50-something pages, which is which. if you're ever going to put together a sponsor trip and you're trying to pitch it and you're giving it to marketing directors and marketing coordinators... Don't make it 50 pages. Don't make it 50 <laughs> pages. They don't got time to, to, to look through these proposals. You want to make them short, heavily picture, visually made. And yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't know better. I, I made a really long proposal. And I started pitching to all these outdoor companies and it did work because I believed in it. And I think that's the most important thing with anything you're going to do is having belief in it. If you believe in something so much, so you're going to convince anyone else to believe into that as well. And that's, that was, that's what, what I did. I believe passion is contagious, right? It is. And I really, was passionate about it. That, that is the truth. Um, I was passionate about it and I believed in myself and what I was doing. And I was able to convince others to join on to the journey with me. It's incredible, and actually. Just to put this in perspective for everyone listening out there, this is before Facebook, Instagram, before. Well, Facebook media. was out. Facebook was out then, but it wasn't but very small. Probably. Facebook was really small at right. that point. YouTube was out, but it was very small at that point. So you didn't have really any credibility or social media following to leverage for these brands saying, uh, you know, this is how we're going to get this out there. You're really going off of passion alone. Yeah. Back in, you know, when I was doing this project, this was about in 2007, there, 
you know, you might have had Facebook, MySpace, and uh, YouTube, but you weren't using those to promote yourself to brands. Brands were not concerned with with so, with social media because social the term social media didn't even exist then. So you couldn't you, you leverage any of that to for the brands. It was all just, hey, this is the idea that I want to do, and do you will you will you believe in me and support me on this journey? Right, right. So after you did this first experience, what where do you go from there? After it, it worked out pretty well and. And what were your thoughts on saying, hey, we're going to use this to um, to kind of continue the momentum forward? I want to say that the the journey to Alaska, while we did do the whole two-month thing, it did not, I would not consider it a success. It was definitely a huge learning experience. It was extremely difficult. I I brought on three other people that I had just met on that trip to, to help me with, with the film crew. And it, it was just a trip full of learning lessons. What was the biggest uh, story and learning lesson that you had from that trip? I think the biggest lesson that I've, that I learned on that trip and I'm still learning this today is really having faith in who you are. There, there's going to be many times in life where, it can seem that everyone around you doubts you and doesn't believe in you and and maybe even thinks you're a terrible person. And you really have to have faith in who you are and what you're doing to even more in that, those, those situations, because that's a huge test of your own will of yourself. And, and that's kind of the big lesson that I was learning in that trip was I really needed to, at the end of the day, believe in who I was and, and accept and love who I am. Because if I can't do that, then I'm going to let the world, I'm going to let people around me defeat me and make me feel little about myself. And that's, that was huge. And I'm still learning that today, you know, letting go of what others think of you and really being comfortable to be, yourself a hundred percent because if you can't be yourself you will never reach the success that you you'll never reach your true potential because your true potential will be hiding under the mask of of what you're pretending to be to the world so how did you use that mindset to continue on in the future with building up your career through that that mindset of of constantly discovering myself shedding the layers of my facade it's it's a theme that's been constantly going through the, the the last years of my life you know through all the different projects that I've been working on because I've been experimenting with different projects that that I think is what I really want to do and as I let go of things that I think that I want to do. I'm able to see what it is that I truly want to do. So I think that mindset of shedding the, that facade is helping me to become a, myself more. And I haven't, re- I ha- I still have not to this day reached my pinnacle yet. I, I haven't, I haven't reached my potential. I'm still trying to, to be this person that is myself. And it's hard because you, you have to let go of so many fears. You have to face them and you have to be so comfortable with yourself. And most people in their lives never even question who they really are. Most people just live behind this ideology of being what they should be. I heard this quote the other day that's, been so powerful for me if you're always doing what you should feel you'll never know what it is that you do feel and that's something that uh, I think a lot of people get lost behind they're always doing what they think their family wants them to do or their friends want them to do or society wants them to do that they never really live for themselves and they don't even know that they don't even know it because 
that's all that's they're so used to living that way and they've so then they believe that their wants and desires of the, of others is what is their wants and desires what's your biggest advice to help people to maybe step outside of their comfort zone um and figure that out for themselves I think a huge thing that people can do to start stripping away the layers of their facade is going about doing things that might be frightening. So I guess a, a really good, easy thing would be maybe going rock climbing or skydiving. That's more about, you know, a physical fear, but even physical fears can, there can be tied to your emotional fears. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think my emotional fears are way larger than any physical fear that I could ever have. Um, but I think that doing your physical, facing your physical fears will help you to, to, um, face your emotional fears because you start to build up this muscle of courage. And I do believe courage is a muscle just as willpower is. And that's something that I'm actually working on right now is building my willpower because I've, you know, even I go through, through cycles where I feel like I have no willpower. And I'm just kind of in a rut, you know, and I'm trying to get myself out of it. And I think it's, there's some beauty in that because that has allowed me to become more relatable to people. My journey isn't easy. It hasn't been easy. I've had to work to where I'm at right now. And, and even still, I'm still struggling. So that allows me to be more relatable to people because most people are struggling. Like most of us, it's not easy. Maybe for the 0.001% of successful people, like it just happened to work out. But for the most of us, it is extremely difficult. And and I guess maybe that's, if it wasn't difficult, maybe it wouldn't be as rewarding as, as it is when you finally reach it. You highlighted on an awesome topic um, where everyone sees all the things you see on social media um, and the things people put out there, uh, it it makes your life look awesome. If you go to your Instagram, uh, everyone would be like, I want to live your life exactly. It's amazing. It's incredible. How do I do that? But in reality, that's a highlight reel for, for all of us. Uh, and there's a lot of struggles that uh, people don't see that are behind the scenes. What's the biggest struggle you've had to deal with, the biggest hurdle you've had to jump over? I think the biggest hurdle that I... I'm still dealing with right now is being my authentic self. And I know that's so general and <laughs> I would love to be more specific, but that's something that I'm working on right now. And if you look at my Instagram, if you look at my Twitter, you're going to see that. Yeah. My life is, seems to be really fun and adventurous. And that is true in some, some ways. Um, and I'm, but I'm, I am trying to show more of, of my daily hurdles through my Instagram stories. And I'm actually thinking of other ways that I can, can do that through maybe, maybe uh, releasing videos through YouTube or whatnot of just kind of the emotions that go into each of daily life. So that is something that I'm like really kind of like going through my mind right now of how can I make my presence on social media more authentic Cause it is, it is hard. You know, you're, you, you do have, when you create a brand and I've created a brand for myself, you have to, you, you almost feel obligated to stick with your brand and, and be able to put content out there that's aligned with your brand. But the reality is that we are all humans and we have a very, we have a vast spectrum of who it is that we are. And a lot of times who we are is not necessarily just our brand. And so that's something I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my mind is how do I be more authentic to people without it seeming like it's forced and contrived. And I haven't exactly come up with the answer with that, but I'm kind of sprinkling that into my social media as we speak right now. Well, sharing your story uh, in a really authentic way on a podcast like this is an excellent start to that as well. Uh, it's really awesome to be able to hear um, not just the great things that happen, but all the hurdles and the struggles too. 
because just like you said, we are all human and we all go through those things. Um, and that's part of life. And getting through that is oftentimes some of the most rewarding things. So tell us about an experience, um, a story that you might have of uh, a trip you were on or a mission you were doing that went wrong and how you uh, got through that. In 2012, we went to Bolivia to film our movie Ancient Tomorrow. And I was leading a whole film crew. There was eight of us into Bolivia. And it was a it was a hugely challenging trip because you're in a foreign country, you have a limited budget, and you're trying to do a lot of things. We were trying to film a movie. We were trying to figure out what the movie even was because at that time we were kind of in between. Was it were we going to be shooting a TV series? Was it a was it going to be a pilot? There were a lot of different expectations of what it was that we were even creating at that point. And that wasn't clear. And I also had a team of eight individuals that came from various backgrounds and not everyone was extremely outdoor savvy. So then having, you know, leading a film team now into the outdoors where you're now going to be climbing mountains, not only in the outdoors, but now you're going to be climbing very technical mountains is another hurdle. So, you know, overall I was just, I was way over my head because I was doing way, way, way too much. If you want to film a movie, that's one thing. Now you're trying to organize an expedition. It's a whole nother thing. So that I was kind of there, I was kind of leading myself up to a disaster. So I took eight people out there and we had money as an issue the whole time we were out there trying to film. We were climbing the Illimani at one point, which is this huge majestic mountain in the Andes, 21,000 feet. It has all these different uh, local curses on it uh, by the natives. So, and and in which actually one of the witch doctors that we met with said that uh, we may die on the mountain. So that was kind of like not a good way to start the trip. Uh, and we had a shaman actually say that one person on our team was going to die. Uh, so yeah, That's a bit intimidating. Having yeah, having <laughs> having the locals tell you things like that. Definitely um, hurts your psyche a little right. bit. No one died though, right? Well, we do. We do have a couple of people on our team that did die later on, but that was that wasn't part of that expedition. Not on the trip, though. Not on the trip. So yeah, that trip was really. It really tested me, you know. And that <laughs> here I here I am, you know, in 2012. So I guess that's five years later than the Alaska trip. But I felt like in a way I was repeating a lot of the mistakes that I was that I encountered in 2007. But, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes um, learning a mistake multiple times for you to, to actually learn it fully <laughs> or sorry, experience a mistake multiple times to really learn it. And maybe I have to learn that mistake again. You know, you never know. <laughs> That's so true. I, I think a lot of times uh, we can't help, but feel like we shouldn't do something until we're fully prepared for it. What advice would you give to people uh, who might not know all the answers, but want to get started? Well, I don't think anyone has all the answers to anything. And the, the older I get in life, the less answers I get. Um, the more you realize what you don't know, right? The more you realize what you don't know as you get older, I feel like as I get older, I become more uncertain, which kind of sucks, but it's the truth. It's like life is so huge and vast and the reality is that at the, I guess at the core of things, we really don't, the only thing we really know as true is is this feeling inside that we are alive and we are ourselves. But other than that, as I get wiser, I realize that everything that I thought was how life should be isn't. And the life is just, life is so much more complicated and simple in, in a way. I don't know. It's just, 
I, I feel like I get more overwhelmed as I get older. <laughs> <laughs> but but a lot of the things you've realized, you've learned through mistakes, I'm sure. And you can't figure those things out until you jump headfirst into it, right? If anything, as I get older, I'm becoming more confident with myself and more accepting of myself. And that means loving myself even if I make mistakes. Loving myself even if I do experience failures and were so, you always okay with failure or is that something that came with practice i am still not okay with failure and but i'm way more okay with failure now than i was 10 years ago and it's it's just kind of like changing the wording a little bit bit with failure because failure is kind of a negative word so it's like it's you know, when I when I released my movie Ancient Tomorrow, it was just recently released in in uh, online. We had our premieres for the movie. I, I got a lot of criticism. You know, I got a lot of negative feedback and positive feedback, and I've had to really learn to accept and be okay with whatever feedback. And I've actually changed the word criticism to feedback. So now when now I would say I didn't get any criticism. I got a lot of feedback. Anytime you put yourself out there, you're going to get feedback. And that's just part of life. So you, you can't expect to go out there without getting feedback because just us being alive, we're, we're emitting feedback to the world. So I've just kind of, you know, just re redefined and rechanged my wording a little bit. So instead of saying failures, making mistakes, learning lessons, and, you know, as you get older, you learn more lessons, which are only going to make you stronger, only going to make you, at the end of the day, it's all, all failure or making mistakes is, is helping you to shed away those fake layers of yourself so that you can see the truth, the light inside of you. Absolutely. It's the mindset that you bring to things, not um, uh, not your initial feeling on what failure might be like, but changing the mindset of using it as a learning opportunity. I love that uh, that concept. And it's it's so clear, JJ, that you've really turned your passions into a career and, and are pushing forward in some really incredible ways. What advice would you give to others who want to do the same? When I when I give advice to others now, because I do get asked quite a bit, you know, how how can I do what you're doing? You know, how can I get paid to travel? And and the short answer is, you need to start doing what you love. Now, I understand a lot of people are in different situations where maybe they they have they've incurred debt from schooling. I was very lucky in, in college. I my parents paid for my college, so I don't have, you know, these racked up student bills, which is crazy. I'm, that's a whole other story in itself. I can't believe how much college is these days. And so I know a lot of people are in a lot of different situations where maybe they have to um, take on multiple jobs to, to be able to, to live. And they might say, well, I, I can't do what you're doing because I have all the student debt that I need to pay off or, you know, maybe they're in some other circumstances, but I, I think for in wherever you are in life, if you have to be in a, in a job that you don't want to necessarily be in just to, to pay off debt, totally understandable. I think the thing that people can do in those situations is little steps. And this is something that I actually didn't really understand myself 10 years ago. And I really wish that I did because this would have been a life changer for me. And this is this is what I'm going to say. Even though one step a day might seem so little and trust me, I I I'm super ambitious, so I'm always I'm the when I first started this journey, I was like I'm climbing Mount Everest. The problem with doing that sort having that sort of approach is if you're going for these huge, large steps, well, then you better be prepared to take big, large falls that may be harder to get up from. 
And that's something I didn't really understand until I kept having one mistake after the other. It's okay to take small steps. I wish I started taking smaller steps when I was first starting with this because I might be way further ahead now than actually going ahead and trying to do climb really big mountains at the at the start. One inch a day will add up to huge. So even if you have a full-time job where you're working 60 hours a day, you just need to do one step in the in the direction that you want to go in. So if let's say you do want to have a life where you're getting paid to travel and you're getting paid to adventure, but you have, you know, you're working 60 hours a week, my my suggestion would be, okay, well, how about going on, you know, Amazon or Kindle and starting to read books of read one book a month of somebody that you aspire to be like and start to educate yourself about, you know, kind of their journeys or, you know, just start insta, insta messaging people that are doing what you're, you want to do. Ask them, how, how are you doing what you, how are you doing what, what it is that you love? Even small things like that, they will, each one of those people will, will tell you a little trick and those little tricks will add up to help you to get more on that page of what it is that you want to do. And again, even if you're doing one step at a time, it will add up to something huge over time. I mean, take it, look at this way. If, if I only was walking, I don't know, one mile a day, well, that might seem little or maybe miles too much, but we'll just start with a mile. One mile a day. Well, after a year, that's 365 miles a year. But let's just say you're exponentially increasing that step every, you know, all the time. I mean, before you know it, you're circumnavigating the entire world. So it does add up. And life, while everyone says life is short, if you live it the right way, it's not short. It's really long. These last 10 years have been a really long, long journey. I feel like I've been alive alive so many lifetimes and it's... I haven't even had a full life yet, but I feel that way. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, JJ. I feel the exact same way. We've only been doing this podcast for a year, and I feel like through the stories of people like yourself and everyone else, it feels like much, much longer than that. I couldn't agree more. Throughout all the things that you've done, at the end of the day, what do you want your legacy to be? <sighs> this is such a great question. What would I want my legacy to be like and feel like and look like? And if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have a drastically different answer than I do now. I'm less concerned about my legacy now than I was then. For me, it's all about living now. And as as I get older, I realize that living in the future, there's just no point in living in the future anymore because I had this whole ideology of who I was going to be 10 years in the future, 10 years ago. And then I didn't reach that, which is kind of disappointing. So that's why I've kind of let go of this whole idea of who it is that I need to become in. And this idea of what the future looks like, because I don't want to be disappointed anymore. And having expectations, if you do have expectations, you are going to be disappointed. So that's another, another advice I would give to people that are, want to be just be happier in life is to drop the expectations because expectations are just going to weigh you down and they've weighed me down tremendously. And so a legacy that I would say that I'd want to leave now is I I don't really have a legacy anymore. There's no expectation of a legacy that I used to like before, you know, I, I had these dreams that I wanted to create these movies and shows that were going to really inspire people to get outdoors and to, and and to kind of move society in a direction that was going to be more spiritually evolved. And while that still is part of what I want to do in, in my life now, I don't need that to be my legacy. I want to live now. I don't, when I die, I die. I don't care what, you know, I'm not going to be here. So I don't care what, what people think of me when I'm gone. And, you know, so I'm here for now. So I guess if I'm understanding the question, 
I, I would say that my, my whole philosophy is, is kind of living for right now, but I guess leaving an imprint on the world that's, I would hope that when I'm gone, then whatever I've, whatever I've done will move things in the right direction. But I would hope that I'm doing that in my lifetime, not after I die. Exactly. It's not so much what you're remembered for. It's how you've impacted the world. What impact do you want to have? through all of your work? The impact that I want to have on the world is I want people to experience that feeling you get when you see a beautiful vista for the first time because that feeling is so life-changing. And it's the very reason that I keep going into the outdoors because it helps me to re-remember what it is that I'm called to do and when we're stuck in a rut which i find myself so often doing it the only thing that can pull you out of that rut is being able to to feel your why and i know how hard life can feel at times so i want i want people to be able to find ways to get out of those ruts. And the outdoors is definitely a way to do that. And I'm still trying to figure out for myself how I can get out of my own ruts, my own falls. And because the only way I can be a role model to to others is by being able to know how to do it myself. And I am I'm making a lot of progress with it. But um yeah, I would say the impact that ultimately I would like to leave is to be able to help people to rise to their fullest potential. And I think the outdoors is a, is a, is a great vehicle to be able to do that because when you're outside looking at a vista or forest or the ocean or just something that really mesmerizes you, it helps you to, for that moment, feel the true essence of who you are. And when you can feel that true essence, all of a sudden, all of your worries and fears drop away. And you can, for just a moment, be yourself fully. And that's the greatest feeling that you can feel. One thing I'd like to let everyone know is if you're really interested about this path to discovery, if you ever had questions about the ancient civilizations or where we come from, since it's definitely a burning question for me, then I would suggest to check out my film that I just released called ancient tomorrow. It's all about uh, the pyramids of the world, not being tombs, temples, uh, but being something else like power plants, maybe. <laughs> so it's uh, available right now on Amazon, Vimeo, Google play, Gaia, dish TV, Shaw, voodoo, and YouTube red. And you can check it out, Ancient Tomorrow. Just Google it, Ancient Tomorrow, and uh, take a look. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. That was the story of J.J. Yosh, who, by the way, has one of the most unique adventure buddies I've ever seen. If you go check out his Instagram page, at JJ underscore Yosh, you'll see an adorable backpacking kitten named Simon that he brings on almost all of his adventures. I guess who says dogs are the ones that get to have all the fun? If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.